y'all. Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. <laughs> I'm finger gunning you. <laughs> Are we recording? Yes! Oh. <laughs> kind of finger gun. No, they just told me to finger gun you like two seconds before that. But then you two seconds later finger gunned me and I was like, there's no way. To record, yes. <laughs> that it's ready. And to press a button. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just going to start this one out by saying Rochelle and I are very tired. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it's only 9.30 in the evening. <laughs> it's 9.42, thank you. It's later than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> but I am normally in bed by this time. <sighs> and so is Rochelle. <laughs> so I we- just, I feel like, oh, what is that? that movie inception no what <laughs> you know the one where they're asleep oh no not a movie it's the it's the um jim brewer i think i showed it to you it's the why mothers need their sleep or whatever but it's like he's like i haven't gotten any sleep whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> What am I doing up so early? Up so early? I haven't been to bed yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay, if y'all haven't seen Jim Brewer's, uh, what is it called? It's like, it's called Why Mothers Need Their Sleep. It's hilarious. It's pretty good. I don't think I've seen it. I I haven't shown it to you? I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to show it to you after. Okay. If we can make it that long. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. (sighs) Okay, so today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 15, called Repo Man. We start out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, Yay! the, (laughs) The screen says, four years ago, it's nighttime, a woman driving a station wagon pulls up behind the Impala, which is parked in the woods. The the woman walks to the front door of a house. Sam opens it and says, Miss Havelock, you shouldn't have come. Miss Havelock goes inside and Sam closes the door behind her. Miss Havelock says, I needed to see it for myself. After all that tracking, all those hours we spent, I mean, it's one thing to study them in books. Dean is there sharpening a knife. A possessed man with blood on his hands, arms, and face is tied to a chair. The possessed man says, do I smell menopause? (laughs) Asshole. (laughs) That is just rude. I'm God. Are we surprised, though? (laughs) Uh, Sam and Miss Havelock are standing in the doorway watching. The possessed man says, well, if it isn't the wicked bitch of the West. Miss Havelock, I know you're the one that helped them find me. The can, the can, the, the camera pans to the dead body of a woman covered with a tablecloth on the kitchen table. Miss Havelock says, my God. The possessed man says, 
Not in time to save our big girl here, but still, you got a merit badge. The possessed man's uh, chair is in the middle of a devil's trap on the floor. Miss Havelock walks over to the possessed man and gets in his face. She says, they caught you, you son of a bitch. No more murders, and you're going back to hell. The possessed man says, oh, Nora, Nora, I'm going to scoop you out like a pumpkin. You know that? You. Yeah. Are you going to carve her gourd? <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Why are we laughing about that? Oh, no. <laughs> God, that's awful. It's awful. <laughs> I have six sense of humor sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Oh, this it's, is going to end well. <laughs> it's fine. It's I'm totally crying. fine. Don't cry. I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. okay. I'm fine. Okay. Do you need uh. Kleenex? Nope, I got my sweatshirt sleeve. We're good. <laughs> There's no snot involved, folks. I don't do snot on sweatshirts. Just saying. Just tears. It's fine. I just drooled. <laughs> okay, so tears and drool. That's the two things that are okay. Okay. No snot. No snot. Okay. Oh, All right. The possessed man's eyes turn demon black and he growls at her. Miss Havelock jumps back and leaves the room with a frightened shriek. The possessed man laughs. Dean says, yeah, your uh, scooping days are over. All you have to worry about now is us. Sam watches from the window as Nora Havelock drives away. Dean says, you ain't She didn't last for very long. No. (laughs) I want to see this. I want to see. I'm gone. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. She like squealed and ran away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I probably would too. (laughs) No, me too. Let's be real. Dean Dean says, you ain't the first demon we've tracked down on this safari. Sam says, that's right. As a matter of fact, I think you put us over half a dozen. The possessed man says, looking for Lilith in all the wrong places. Dean says, well, you're going to help us with that. The possessed man says, if things are about to get messy, maybe you should meet the owner of this fleshy temple, a puppy of a man. You'll like him. The possessed man looks down, groans, and then looks up. Sam says, Jeffrey? Jeffrey, is that you? Sam crouches down in front of Jeffrey. Jeffrey sees the body of the woman on the table and says, oh, God, no, you have to stop him. Sam says, we will. We're going to, okay? We're going to send that demon back to hell. Jeffrey says, okay, please don't hurt me. Sam says, Jeffrey, before we can let him go, look, the demon knows where we can find more of his kind, okay? Dean says, see, we're hunting them, all of them. He's not going to give up his Rolodex easy. Jeffrey, we're going to have to cut him. We're going to have to cut into him. That means you. Jeffrey says, oh, the things he made me do to those women. Whatever you have to do, you have to do it. Please just stop this evil piece of... Jeffrey chokes as the demon takes control of his meat suit again. His eyes turn black. The demon says, and on and on and on. Frankly, he can get tedious with this whole good and evil thing. (laughs) Dean says, you know, you were right. I like Jeffrey. He's a decent guy. In fact, he just signed off on his temple. Dean pours holy water on his knife. The demon says, uh. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. I don't like that. <laughs> Dean slices the demon with the knife, uh, who cries out and sizzles from the holy water. Dean throws more holy water on the demon and then punches him. Sam also punches him, then empties holy water from a flask onto his head. Dean slashes at the demon with a knife some more. 
Dean says, she's got other lieutenants. We already know that. Sam says, we want names. Sam and Dean then punch the demon again. Sam pours more holy water onto the demon's head, and the demon screams. Dean holds up a branding iron. The demon says, all right, all right, his name is Merrick. I swear, you'll find him in New Orleans. Dean, reading from a book, reads an exorcism. Black smoke pours from Jeffrey's mouth and becomes the supernatural title card of our opening title sequence. And can I just say, the exorcisms have gotten shorter. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> it's not like a five-year-long, drawn-out, oh, now i got to read this part. Oh, wait. Oh, now i got to read this part. Oh, wait. Oh, and now here's this part. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, so we cut to Dean driving the Impala at night. Jeffrey's lying down in the back seat. He's injured. Dean says, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, you awake? Jeffrey coughs and moans. Dean says, hey, you passed out. You're in shock. Jeffrey says, he's gone. Dean says, we exercised him. Try not to move, okay? We're almost to the hospital. Jeffrey moans again and says, your brother? Dean says, my brother stayed back to clean us out that crime scene. There's no reason to go down for a demon's murders. You know what I mean? The Impala pulls up outside the CDA Regional Hospital emergency entrance. Dean helps Jeffrey out of the car and holds him upright. Dean says, all right, all right, take it easy. All right, you're good to make it from here, right? Jeffrey nods. Dean says, okay, Jeffrey, no demon talk in the ER. You understand me? You were mugged. Jeffrey says, okay. Dean says, okay. And Dean lets go of Jeffrey and gets back in the car. Jeffrey says, all right, um, thank you. Jeffrey gives a brief wave and stumbles towards the emergency entrance. We cut to present day in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. <clears throat> we're in the boys' motel room. Sam and Dean open the door and look inside. Dean turns on the light. They go in. Dean's phone rings. Dean says, classified server. Gotta be Devereaux, right? Dean on the phone says, hello? Thank God, Frank. Dean takes a radio receiver from Sam and says, Frank, what do you got for me? Sam is hallucinating Lucifer. Hallucifer. <laughs> Hallucifer motions to the room and says, it's nice. Dean says, Frank, you're breaking up. Hallucifer says, kind of like a men's room with beds. What? <laughs> yep. But like what? Oh, the room. I was like, hold on. I like totally spaced. Okay, this is going really well. <laughs> I totally spaced out. I was like, what are you, what is he talking about? He's talking about the, the quality room. of the room. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. yep, yep, I got that. We're, okay. We're good. <laughs> I'm caught up now. Sam takes some folders out of his bag. Hallucifer peels a green mark off the wall and says, hmm, avocado grime. Yuck. Sam opens a folder which contains a bloody photo of, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> which contains a photo of bloody flesh and autopsy report and puts it on top of another open folder on the bed. Hallucifer says, takes years to build up a patina like this. Hallucifer puts the grime in his mouth. Sam presses hard on his left palm with his right hand, and Hallucifer flickers and disappears. Dean says, what do you mean you can't find him? It's Dick Roman. Turn on CNN. <laughs> Didn't you see him at that press conference in Phoenix? The bastard's everywhere. You sure? No, I don't. Sam continues to lay out folders on the bed. Dean says, I don't care that they've infiltrated the luxury boat industry, Frank. Great. Call Kanye. Dean hangs up. Sam says, Frank's still stumped on Roman? Dean says, yep, all right, let's do this. Sam says, okay, um, look at the victim profiles. And we see crime scene photos of two bloodstained women's bodies. Sam says, same age, same hair color, body type. The ritual mutilations line up exactly. 
Dean says, who down there would have let our demon out of the can? He squealed on his superiors. We made sure of that. I mean, he should be down under until trumpet day. <laughs> Sam says, but two women killed in the last two weeks. The same parts missing. I mean, same old hunting grounds even. Dean says, all right, well, we can take a swing at it. But you know, it's all about the Leviathans now, okay? They're the ones we need to be hunting. Sam says, yeah, but no, I mean, not right now. This one's ours, Dean. It's unfinished business, apparently. Dean says, all right. So we cut to Sam and Dean sleeping. We see a radio receiver. The screen lights up. A male voice on the radio says, this is Unit 32. Repeat, Unit 32. We've got another one. Sam opens his eyes. The voice on the radio says, that's a 187, female Caucasian. Dean opens his eyes. The voice on the radio says, maybe late 30s at the Henley Auto Wash. The female voice on the radio says, Unit 32, assistance is in route. Sam turns on the light between the beds. The male voice on the radio says, we got a real mess here, dispatch. So we cut to a crime scene. It's daytime. There's a body under a blood-stained sheet on the ground. <clears throat> Sam and Dean, dressed in their FBI suits, hold up their badges, and an officer lifts the do-not-cross line for them to duck under. Sam says, thanks. Dean says, you know, every time we do this, I wonder if today's the day. We walk up, flash our tin to a bunch of chompers pretending to be policemen. Sam <laughs> says, I hear you. A detective grabs Sam by the shoulder, and Sam turns to face him. Hallucifer is leaning against a vehicle behind the detective. The detective says, thought you guys might show up. It's the drummer boys, agents uh, Bonham and Watts, right? Sam says, yeah. Dean says, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sam says, it's a pleasure to see you again, detective. Hallucifer says, Sutton. Sam says, you know what? Pardon me. Uh, what was it, detective? Hallucifer says, Sutton. <laughs> Don't ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> the detective says, oh, no problemo. Detective Sutton. Detective Sutton and Sam shake hands. Sam says Sutton. Dean says Sutton, yeah. Detective Sutton and Dean shake hands. Dean says hi. <laughs> Near the victim's body. <laughs> Near the victim's body is an SUV that has broken glass um, and blood in the back. Detective Sutton says, sad to say, case looks to be open again. Dean says, are you sure? Detective Sutton, Dean, and Sam walk over to the body. Detective Sutton says, same tools. Behind them, Hallucifer sticks out a forked tongue. <clears throat> I, I like his forked tongue. I think that's a cool look. Yeah. Those always kind of weird me out. Yeah. You know, like I've ne like I've seen videos of people that they'll like surgically split their tongue like that. Oh, that's gross. And then they like move it, like they can move the two sides separately, and it just like. There's something about that that I just like, oh, you know. Like, yeah, know. that's it's creepy. like an immediate reaction in my brain that just goes freak out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Ooh, like, that is creepy. I mean, whatever. It's not like it's a. It's just for some reason my brain can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Um, Detective Sutton says same cuts, same crazy. The victim's face is cut, and a little finger on her left hand and part of her palm are missing. Detective Sutton says, makes sense. I mean, we didn't catch the critter last time, did we? Dean says, and no suspects? Detective Sutton says, same as before, very thorough, cold-blooded. Dean says, thank you, Detective. Detective Sutton says, anytime. Sam and Dean look in the back of the vehicle. They find a yellow, uh, oh, they find yellow powder. Sam says, hey, and he touches a finger to the yellow powder and smells it. He says, sulfur. Dean says, damn it, better go check on Havelock. So we cut to Nora Havelock's store. 
A large sign in the store reads, Wiccan's Web, with a devil's trap between the two words. Nora says, this is it. And she opens the door, and they all go inside. Sam says, Wiccan'sWeb.com. Nora says, internet mail order, white magic only, herbs and talismans. Uh, Nora opens the doors to another room. A devil's trap is painted on the floor in the doorway. She walks carefully around it. Sam says, you sure about that? Nora says, careful, it's still drying. I have a friend at the sheriff's office. I know all about the new murders. I'm doing what I can to protect myself. Sam and Dean walk around the devil's trap. Nora walks behind a desk and hands Sam some pieces of paper. She says, I'm also translating some very old banishments. We see a close-up of the banishments with Latin above and English below. The English section begins, recite the following invocation aloud. Sam says, wow, these are, uh, these are good. Nora says, thanks, I've got an affinity. But back then, that night in the farmhouse, I was in over my head. I know that now. Believe me, I will leave all of that to the pros. <laughs> She's like, I ain't doing that again. <laughs> yeah. Dean says, will you help tra- track it down? I mean, it was some solid legwork. Nora says, when it came down to it, all I really knew was somebody who knew somebody who knew the right number to call. And your number is not working, by the way. Sam says, right, we had some technical difficulties, phone issues. Dean says, it's a monster problem, really. <laughs> Sam says, so, uh, you haven't had any contact? Nora says, with the demon? No, thank God. I have one or two things to finish in town, and then I'm leaving. Dean says, good choice. Nora says, have you found Jeffrey yet? Dean says, who? Nora says, the man who the demon possessed? The one you almost beat to death? Dean says, yeah, Jeffrey. That poor bastard. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the main guy in all of this. Yeah. <laughs> Nora says, some demons tend to be sentimental, don't they? Always go back to the same host if they can. Sam says, it's a start. So we cut to a group therapy room. Nine men are sitting in a circle. One man raises his hand. Um, the first man says, I want to talk about Cinemax. We're grown men. We pay rent. Why can't we get Cinemax? <laughs> Others laugh and voice agreement. Uh, another man says, Skinemax. <laughs> the therapist <Creep>. says, yeah. <laughs> The therapist says, the halfway program advisors have already weighed in on that, Carl. Carl says, fine, fine. The therapist says, bringing it up in group is not going to. Carl says, I said fine. The therapist says, Jeffrey, you have something pretty big going down later this morning. Jeffrey says, that's right, I guess. Um, I'm picking her up today. I'm getting a dog, a rescue. I had to get her spayed and shots and stuff, but they said she's ready. The therapist says, Jeffrey and I talked about this. He understands that pet ownership is a privilege, not a right. He's going to have to show the whole house that he can handle the responsibility. Jeffrey says, and that's what it's all about, right, Alan? Handling it. We cut to the Idaho Regional Animal Shelter. Jeffrey leaves the building carrying a small dog with a cone around its neck. Jeffrey says, you okay there, huh? Surgery is a bucket of laughs, huh? You look good. I'm sorry for the cone of shame, but we got to keep these stitches in. Jeffrey sets the dog on the ground and says, okay, come on. Jeffrey walks along the street, leading the dog on a leash. Jeffrey has a limp. He hears a noise, so he pauses and looks down an alleyway. He sees no one and stupidly walks down it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why go towards the sketchy thing? You know, like, what? Yeah. That seems like it could be a bad idea. Yeah. Let's do it, you know? (laughs) Jeffrey is not that smart. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Uh, So Dean grabs Jeffrey from behind and holds a knife to his throat. Sam holds up a flask in front of him. 
Jeffrey gasps and struggles in Dean's hold. Sam says, Jeffrey? Dean says, Jeffrey? Dean lets Jeffrey go. Sam says, okay, look, it's okay. You're okay. You're okay. Dean says, sorry, just had to make sure. Dean puts his knife away. Jeffrey says, make sure of what? That I peed my pants today? The dog whimpers. Jeffrey says, aw, you scared my dog. <laughs> Jeffrey crouches down and pets the dog. Sam says, uh, we did not want to do that. Dean says, listen, Jeff, we got to talk. So we cut to Jeffrey's apartment. Jeffrey sits down on the sofa in a rundown room. Lucifer is sitting on the arm of the sofa. Dean says, well, this is a... Sam sits on a chair by the sofa. Jeffrey says, I know what it is. Uh, Dean sits next to Jeffrey. Sam says, look, I know it must have been hard. Lucifer says, do you even listen to yourself? Sam presses on his left palm. Lucifer says, oh, don't bother. And Lucifer flickers and disappears. Jeffrey says, what do you guys want from me? Dean says, well, um, we're pretty sure that the demon that possessed you is back. Jeffrey says, what? What do you mean? You exercised him, right? He's supposed to be in hell. Jeffrey stands up alarmed. Sam says, Jeffrey, look, please sit down. Uh, that's not what he says. <laughs> Sam says, Jeffrey, look, please just calm down. Just have a seat, please. Jeffrey sits down again and says, I don't understand. Dean says, three more women have been murdered over the past two weeks. Jeffrey says, no. Dean says, same Vic profile, same forensics, crime scene dusted with sulfur. We got to assume that it's him. Sam says, but we're here now, okay? So if he comes after you, we'll nail him just like we did last time. Jeffrey says, what was her name? Dean says, what? Jeffrey says, the last one he killed. Dean says, uh, Anna. Sam says, Anna Paxton. Jeffrey says, Marjorie Willis. She's the next one on the list. Sam says, list? What list? Jeffrey says, the demon used to recite it all the time, like a grocery list. He burned it into my head, the names of all the women he was going to kill. Sam says, he already had his victims chosen. Jeffrey says, and put, a, and put in a line in an order. Dean says, wait, why? Demons aren't usually into the obsessive serial killer crap. You know, they're more just kind of all-around evil. Why would he do this? Jeffrey said, he's, Jeffrey says, he said it was his job. There's a knock at the door. Jeffrey holds a finger to his lips and gets up to open the door. It's Alan, the therapist. He says, Jeffrey, did your guest sign in? Jeffrey says, I'm real sorry, Alan. They're friends of mine from my days back at the post office. I didn't know they were coming. Sam says, so what do you think? Dean says, I think we really helped mess this poor son of a bitch up. Look at him. <laughs> He's got a state assigned dad. Alan says, okay, just get him to sign in when they sign out. Jeffrey nods and closes the door. Sam says, uh, Jeffrey, look, I'm going to go and find Marjorie Willis and keep her on watch, okay? Dean says, don't worry. I'm going to stay here just in case. So we cut to Sam walking into a library. A woman says, excuse me. She smiles at Sam as she pushes a cart of books. Lucifer appears behind Sam. He says, you're right. We just don't read anymore. <laughs> Sam walks with Lucifer right behind him. Lucifer points to the woman and says, Marjorie Willis, librarian, indoor gardening enthusiast, our demon's next organ donor. Marjorie Willis takes a seat at the desk. Sam and Lucifer sit down at a table. Sam should have a direct line of sight to Marjorie Willis, but Lucifer blocks his view. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yep. Sam shifts a little to try and see around him, but uh, Lucifer keeps blocking him. Uh, Lucifer crosses his arms and stares at Sam. He says, come on, Sam, talk to me. It's been months. We cut back to Dean. Jeffrey says, when you left me in the ER, 
I had three smashed fingers, five teeth out, a broken wrist, nose, cheekbone, collarbone. I had to get 160 stitches. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he exhales and smiles and says, mugged. The doctor on duty said I looked like I got caught in the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition. Dean says, and we're the good guys. Jeffrey says, they patched me up mostly, but I lost my job, my health insurance. I just started to drink and drift, and I got lost, had some kind of mental break, and I started to talk about what happened. Dean says, oh, man, never tell. Never, never. Dude. Jeffrey says, I know that now. Believe me. Dean says, so let me guess. Drunk take to psych eval to 72-hour forced hold to a nice long stay at an institution of their choice. Jeffrey says, yes. Dean says, it's happened to friends of mine. Jeffrey says, for a long time, I didn't care. The truth is more important than where I was. I was in no shape to cope with the outside world. Dean says, well, hey, you got out, you know, holding it together. Jeffrey says, and now the demon is back. Dean says, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I mean, it's all, I mean it, about all of it, you know? Jeffrey says, you saved my life. I owe you for it. I know that. I owe a lot of people for getting even this far. I, crap. Dean says, what? Jeffrey says, if he isn't already circling the next woman, Marjorie, then I think I might know where he is. He had this special place where he kept souvenirs where he nested. Dean says, why didn't you tell us this? Jeffrey says, I didn't want to go. Dean says, you don't have to go. We'll handle it. Jeffrey says, I do. I have to. We cut back to Sam, who Lucifer is reading from a book. He says, average annual rainfall, Hackberry, Texas. <laughs> Lucifer rolls his eyes and tosses the book down on the table. Sam is reading autopsy files. Marjorie Willis pushes a cart of books. There's a loud noise that only Sam appears to hear, and he jumps. A man and woman at the next table start to bang their heads on against the table, their bodies apparently controlled against their will. Other people at nearby tables do the same, and their faces get bloody. It's an awful thing to do to yourself. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> really gross. Uh, the woman at the first table has knocked out a tooth. Sam presses on his left palm, and Lucifer flickers and disappears. Sam looks over at the next table. The man and woman are both uninjured. Lucifer is again sitting across from him. He says, come on, Sam, pay attention to me. I'm bored. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sam looks left and then right, not making eye contact with Lucifer. Uh, a man in a black jacket walks in the direction Marjorie Willis went. Lucifer says, Civil War buff? Sam gets up and follows the man. So cut back to Dean. Dean and Jeffrey pull up alongside a graffitied fence. Jean? <laughs> Dean checks his phone and says, I feel like you did that in the last episode. I did that. Too. And there was someone actually named Jean yeah. in the episode, so it was a little awkward. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So Dean, I'm like I'm having deja vu. What's yep. happening right now? I did it. <laughs> Oops, so, I did it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dean checks his phone and says, "Damn it, no service." Jeffrey, to the dog in the back seat, says, "Good girl, you stay. Here's some jerky. Stay." Dean says, "Things not gonna pee in here, is it?" Jeffrey says, "Um, I don't know." <laughs> Dean and Jeffrey get out of the car. Dean says, so he'd get you this far, and then he'd shut your lights out, yeah? Jeffrey says, for some reason, he was very secretive about this place, but after a while, he'd only really sort of cover my eyes when we walked in. Dean says, okay, you think you can get us back there? So we cut to Sam. He walks along and looks through shelves uh, of books. A woman's voice says, oh, oh. <laughs> 
Sam looks, oh. <laughs> Sam looks around a bookshelf and sees Marjorie Willis and the man in black jacket are grinding against each other and kissing. Marjorie Willis says, right here in my discontinued periodicals. Oh, oh, that's it. <laughs> brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So we cut back to Dean. He busts open a door and he and Jeffrey enter. Dean is carrying a flashlight. Jeffrey has his eyes closed and a hand on Dean's shoulder. Jeffrey says, red door down the hallway. Dean says, yeah, there is. Dean takes out his knife and leads Jeffrey down the hallway. They pause outside the door and Jeffrey opens his eyes. Jeffrey says, this must be it. Dean and Jeffrey look around the large room. Symbols are painted on the windows. Dean says, all right, stay over here, okay? You just stay here. Don't move. Dean continues to look around the room. He says, what the hell? There's a man chained to a chair. Dean shines a flashlight back at Jeffrey and then at the man. Dean slowly approaches the man in the chair and says, hey. The man's mouth is taped shut. Dean says, hey, hey, all right. Dean puts down the flashlight and his knife. Dean says, we're going to get you out of here. Dean starts to work on the man's chains. The man opens his eyes and tries to say something. Dean says, hey, hey, I'm not going to hurt you, okay? But you got to stay still. The man struggles and makes frantic noises. And then Jeffrey stabs the syringe into Dean's neck. Ugh. Oh, Jeffrey. <laughs> I liked Jeffrey. I... I wouldn't say I liked Jeffrey, but I didn't dislike Jeffrey either. I really liked him. You know? He was okay. He was, like yeah. like they said earlier, like a puppy dog of a man, you know? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Just very sweet and kind of dumb. <laughs> you know? A dumb, lovable, like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah, I mean, I didn't dislike him, but I didn't really care one way or the other, I guess. Yeah. Either, so. I cared. I cared, Jeffrey. <laughs> And look what you've done. <laughs> That's what you get for Karen, Lynn. You get disappointed. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, you're right. When you're right, you're right. Okay. So we cut back to Sam. Marjorie Willis is sitting at her desk, and the man in the black jacket is leaning over to kiss her. Sam watches from a table nearby. Lucifer leans against a bookshelf behind him. Lucifer says, I'm pretty sure this guy is the boring sort of chubby chaser. Sam dials a number on his phone. Dean's recorded message says, leave your name, number, and nightmare at the tone. Sam says, Dean, where are you? I'm scooping zero out here. Sam hangs up. Lucifer says, not a good sign. Sam reads autopsy reports. Lucifer says, hmm, surprised you haven't picked up on that yet. It's right there in the coroner's report. Lucifer sits down opposite Sam. We see a close-up of drug test results. Lucifer says, yeah, uh-huh. In, in this latest round of killings, our big girls had traces of heavy tranquilizers in their blood, yeah? But our demon's strong enough to make Fat Betty do whatever he wants to, right? So why does he need the tranks? You think he's got a bad back? Yeah, whatever's going on here, you know that demon's not coming back to kill anybody. Sam dials a number on his phone. Dean's recorded message says, this is Special Agent Smith. Please leave your name, number, and detailed. Sam hangs up. Lucifer says, oh no, that's every cell phone Dean's got. One of them should have picked up, right? Big Brother's probably dead. <laughs> Sam says, shut up. And he grabs the reports and leaves. Lucifer says, he said shut up to me. 
<laughs> he said shut up. <laughs> He's so pleased. He's like, I did it. Yep. So we cut to Jeffrey's apartment. Uh, Sam Locke picks his way inside with Hallucifer behind him. Hallucifer says, that's what I'm talking about, Sam. Real interaction again. I miss that. The rapier wit, the wittier rape. Come on, I'll be good. Jeez. Yep. Sam looks under Jeffrey's mattress. Hallucifer says, I'll even help you solve your little Nancy Drew mystery or whatever. Sam looks through the things on Jeffrey's desk. Hallucifer says, no note. Sam unlocks the top drawer of Jeffrey's desk and finds a cell phone signal scrambler. Hallucifer says, hmm, a cell phone scrambler. But Lucy, those are illegal. Think, Sam. Maybe this has something to do with Dean's telephone blackout. <laughs> but Lucy, these are illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Sam keeps searching and finds a box with several pieces of paper. Hallucifer says, hmm, Latin, not suspicious at all. Sam says, I've never seen this spell before. We cut to some time later. Sam and Hallucifer are walking down a street. Hallucifer says, no, but you've seen this type. Sam says, a demon summoning. Why? Hallucifer says, why? To summon a demon, jackass. Start looking at who? Sam says, okay, what do you mean? Hallucifer says, look at the page. Hallucifer and Sam speak simultaneously. Hallucifer says, you know this handwriting. Sam says, I know this handwriting. We cut to Sam lockpicking his way into Nora's store. Sam goes in with his gun drawn. He opens the door to the office. Hallucifer is seated at the desk and shakes his head. Sam looks around and puts away his gun. Nora hits him over the head from behind with a wooded object. He's Sam. constantly getting whacked in the gore. Wear <laughs> <laughs> a helmet, man. Wear a helmet. <laughs> Sam falls to the floor. Hallucifer winces. <laughs> Sam gets up. Nora swings at him, but Sam catches her and takes the object away from her. Sam says, Nora, stop it. Calm down. Sam holds up the paper from Jeffrey's apartment and says, what is this? What is this? Why did Jeffrey have a demon summoning in your handwriting? Nora says, everything's happening the way he said, the way he planned it. Sam says, what plan? Nora says, you can't help. You can't change it. Hallucifer says, hit her. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Just hit her. Nora sits down on a couch, and Sam says, Nora, tell me what's going on. Hallucifer says, Sam, shake her up. She knows what happened to Dean. Get this stupid cow to focus, will you? Sam says, Nora, listen to me. Whatever it is, you should be a lot more scared of me right now because I'm two inches away from you and I can make you talk. Do you understand me? Hallucifer nods approvingly. He's like, eh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Nora starts to cry. She says, it's my son. He has my son. Sam says, what were you thinking? I mean, why would you even help bring back a demon in the first place? Nora says, not the demon, Jeffrey. Sam says, Jeffrey? So we cut back to Dean. Uh, Nora Havlock's son is unconscious. He's bleeding heavily from the side of his head. Dean is tied to another chair. Dean says, Jeffrey? Jeffrey is petting the dog, which is drinking from a bowl of water. Jeffrey says, good, you're up. Dean says, what happened? What's going on? Jeffrey says, no one asked you to get involved, to save me, to save anyone. Dean says, what? Jeffrey says, did you ever think that maybe I loved being possessed? Jeffrey pulls a wheeled table holding ingredients for a spell towards Dean. Jeffrey says, did you? I loved the connection, the power, and I loved him. Love of my life, actually. Dean says, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Jeffrey says, he liberated me. And he pours lighter fluid into a bowl full of coals on the table. Jeffrey says, started me on my true life's mission. 
Dean says, so you're the one with the thing for all those women, aren't you, Jeffrey? You're a serial killer. Jeffrey says, I was nothing before he found me. A shadow too scared to do what I thought I was brought here to do. Too timid to live up to my true potential. Yuck. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Jeffrey throws a lit match into the bowl, and the coals burst into flame. Dean says, so what happened? Redhead, redheaded mommy make you stuff birds? Put on dresses? Jeffrey says, you shouldn't trivialize other people's pain. Dean says, so, demon comes along, rides co-pilot in your skull, teaches you how to kill. The list, that's yours. Jeffrey says, for years, it was just a game I would play. Every time I'd walk by one of them in the street or see one on my mail route, um, there's a sound that comes from their brains. You know that? Only Brain sounds. There's, <laughs> there's brain sounds. <laughs> what? <laughs> he says, only I can hear it, like an evil little steam whistle. Every time I saw one, I'd follow her, take down her address. Jeffrey picks up Dean's knife from a table and says, but I was never going to do anything, not until he came along. He's the one who saved me, and you sent him to hell. When we cut back to Sam, Nora says, I kept tabs on Jeffrey after the exorcism. I even sent him care packages in the hospital, but he never responded. And then, not long ago, he came to me. Lucifer is standing behind Sam. Nora says, he seemed healthy, put together, except he wanted to know if there's any way to summon the demon back. He said he'd been doing some research. It was mostly nonsense, but he was convinced it was possible. Lucifer says, you really knocked the cork out of her pie hole. <laughs> He's like, now she won't shut up. <laughs> yeah. Nora says, I sent him away. I told him to get more help. The next day he called me. He put my son on the phone. He had taken him from his dorm room. Nora gets up and walks behind the desk. She says, I gave him everything, the ritual, the sigils, but he kept my boy. Nora takes a wooden box out of a desk drawer, she says, and then he sent me this. Nora hands the box to Sam, who opens it. There's an ear inside. Yuck. Nora says, my baby's ear. I said, Snora. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I was going to say she. I was going to say Nora. And it just came out, Snora. <laughs> <laughs> so, Snora says... My baby's ear. He cut it off because the ritual didn't work. Sam says, well, that demon gave up some serious state secrets. Would have gone into a big lockdown in hell. Not so easy to bring him back up. Nora says, Jeffrey didn't care. He told me to find out what went wrong or else. Finally, I found a summoning spell that would work for sure. Nora opens a book and hands it to Sam. She says, and that's when he and I had another job to do. Sam says, which was, the, which was what? Nora says, when you came, I was supposed to send you to Jeffrey. He left a trail of bodies to make sure of it. Sam reads from the book and says, blood of the exorcist. Nora says, strongest summoning I've ever seen. Requires the blood of the exorcist who banished him, your brother. You see, it's all part of Jeffrey's plan. Sam says, yeah, well, new plan. Tracking spell, barbarian, Egyptian, I don't care, dealer's choice. Use a Barbarian? <laughs> yep. Bavarian. Oh, is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm tired. I, I was like, what's Bavarian? <laughs> I like. I guess there's no, of... now that I'm looking, there's no R there. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I was to know the difference. I was just like, wait, oh, hold on. What is that? I've never heard of that before. Where is that? I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> I said it wrong. Okay. Um, Sam says, use the flesh of the body to find the body and Dean. Do you want the ear or the kid? 
Hallucifer says, you're giving me chills. <laughs> Sam glances at Hallucifer and then looks away. So we cut back to Dean. Jeffrey is cutting Dean's arm and collecting the blood in a bowl. Jeffrey says, I like to think I know you pretty well. Dean says, yeah, how do you figure? Jeffrey says, I watched you torture an innocent man to get out a demon. Pretty charged situation. Revealing. You guys talked about a lot. Showed a lot of character. God, you were so desperate to fix the world back then. It kills you. Uh, that people keep getting hurt and that you just can't stop it. Or should I say, it's killed you, shouldn't I? Jeffrey puts the bowl on the table and then puts the knife into a jar containing some liquid. Dean says, you know what? Screw you. Jeffrey says, hey, I was there. I was depressed, Dean, because he was gone. Jeffrey picks up the jar and stirs the contents with the knife. He says, I was a wreck, an emotional shell, a drunk. I was suicidal. Dean says, I don't usually endorse suicide, but man, what stopped you? <laughs> Jeffrey says, it was Alan. He puts the jar back on the table and says, at the house. Dean says, you're kidding me. Jeffrey says, he's a really good rehab therapist. Uh, maybe really, too good in this case. <laughs> really helped me focus on my goals. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey takes the knife out of the jar and wipes it on a towel. He says, my attitude. I have to say, I really benefited from the whole program. Dean says, yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey says, a life well lived comes from the structured pursuit of meaningful happiness. Jeffrey walks towards Dean with the knife in a large bowl. He says, I realize I was nothing without my demon. Then I decided I have to get him back. I'll be right back. Jeffrey walks away from Dean. Jeffrey to the dog says, hey there, honey, come on. Jeffrey, over his shoulder to Dean, says, it's a bitch of a recipe, I must admit. The dog trots after Jeffrey, carrying the plastic cone. Dean says, no. Jeffrey walks out of sight, but we see a shadow raise his arm. The dog whimpers. Dean says, oh, you sick son of a bitch. The dog yelps. The plastic cone rolls into sight. Jeffrey places the bowl, which now contains one of the dog's organs in the bowl, and then adds Dean's blood. <clears throat> um, yep. why'd you have to kill a fucking dog? <laughs> okay? Uh, Come well, on. I mean, there, there's a lot of animal blood in a lot of these things, but we don't usually see it. It's usually like, oh yeah, blood of whatever, you know? Yeah. But... But this is one of the few dog. times that we actually like see it happen. Actually, maybe one of the only times. Yeah, you're right. But. Well, it it upset me. Oh, no, I I didn't like it. That's yeah. for sure. So he reads some Latin. The room starts to shake. Uh, Jeffrey raises his arms as he continues the invocation. When he's done, everything goes still. It seems like the summoning hasn't worked since Jeffrey is not possessed. Uh, Nora Havelock's son then breaks his chains. His eyes turn black. Wrong uh, body, stupid. Yep, he takes the tape off his mouth. The demon says, hello, Jeffrey. The demon gets up out of the chair and says, Dean Winchester, as I live and breathe. The demon's eyes turn back to normal and he walks towards Jeffrey. And the demon says, again. Jeffrey says, what? <laughs> the what? demon. What? <laughs> exactly like that, too. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Never stop laughing about that. (laughs) 
fuck. Okay. <laughs> All right. The demon embraces Jeffrey. Jeffrey says, oh, what are you doing? The demon says, I'm thanking you, Jeffrey. And the demon waltzes around the room with Jeffrey in his arms. Jeffrey says, what are you doing with this half-dead piece of crap? Come into me. The demon says, we had a very special time together, didn't we, Jeffrey? It warms my heart to see you haven't forgotten what I taught you. You built on it. The demon releases Jeffrey and takes hold of his jacket. The demon says, you captured a Winchester. You, Jeffrey, my pupil. Jeffrey says, I don't want to be your pupil. I want to be yours. The demon takes a step back and says, but I'm done with you. My work is finished. You can do everything now, all on your beautiful own. Jeffrey says, no. The demon says, no. Jeffrey shakes his head, and the demon backhands him hard across the face, and Jeffrey falls down. I don't want to take off my training wheels. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the demon crouches down next to him and says, we don't do no. Remember, Jeffrey? Dean works the ropes, binding him to the chair. The demon stands and takes a few steps towards him. The demon says, keep sawing away at your ropes, Penelope Pitstop. We can dance standing up if you want. Dean says, so this is what you do. Find postal workers, make them go postal. De the demon says, I talent scout, that's all. Looking for the next generation of superstars. Before they get to hell, like Jeffrey here. The demon crouches down next to Jeffrey again and touches his chest. The demon says, he had all the raw material just bubbling in there. All I had to do was loosen the lid on his jar, show him some practical know-how. Dean says, yeah, what about the kid? The demon stands up and says, this one? I don't think. Not much to work with. No natural gift. I'll probably burn his meat off on my way to Vegas. The demon turns and sees Sam, who hits him. They fight while Dean escapes from his ropes. The demon says, the demon sends Sam flying across the room. Sam gets to his feet and the demon starts towards him, but gets caught in the devil's trap uh, painted onto the ceiling. <laughs> the demon says, you gotta be kidding me. Nora walks up next to Sam and says, you let go of my son. The demon laughs as Dean walks over to stand by Nora. The demon says, where do you keep coming from? <laughs> Jeffrey picks up the knife and walks towards the demon. Dean shoots Jeffrey twice and he drops to the floor. Nora starts an exorcism. The demon says, he'll be back, you know back in black. Dean says, go to hell. The demon groans as Nora continues the exorcism. And the demon falls to his knees and black smoke pours out of his mouth. Nora Havelock's son then falls backwards and Nora Havelock rushes over to him. Nora's son says, mom? Nora says, I've got you. I've got you, baby. So we cut to the boys' motel room. Sam and Dean go inside. Dean says, God. Dean lies face down on one of the beds. Sam says, so Jeffrey was just pretending to be the victim way back in that farmhouse during the exorcism. He was just acting. Sam sits down on the other bed. Dean says, he was a psychopath, Sam. That's what they do all the time is act. Act like they're normal. Act like they're not balls to the wall crazy. Sam says, are you going to sleep? Dean says, damn straight. Screw consciousness. That's what I say. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Lucifer has appeared, leaning over next to Sam. He says, no, no, Sam. No nap for you, Sammy. Sam presses on his left palm. Lucifer says, oh, come on, don't do that. Lucifer straightens up and says, let's talk, Sam. I always enjoyed our special little chats. Don't you want to talk? Sam presses harder on his left palm. Lucifer says, yeah, look at that. Something's definitely different now, isn't it? You let me in. You wanted me, partner. So you think you can use your little tricks to banish me again? Lucifer snaps his fingers and says, like that? No, I do believe I've got you, bunk buddy. Got my finger wiggling around in your brain pan. 
and the bed Sam's sitting on bursts into flames. Lucifer laughs and says, come on, Sammy, come on, say it with me now. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> Lucifer laughs and credits. <laughs> credits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I pretty much only have two thoughts. First one is when um, G- Jean, damn it, <laughs> 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 Jeffrey and Dean go into the little warehouse or whatever and you see Nora's son tied up. I thought that was Jeffrey and I thought somebody was pretending to be Jeffrey because I don't remember this episode. Oh yeah, I didn't remember this episode either. Like, I think the last few episodes there's been a lot, I must have like I don't know, maybe it was a day that I was watching it and I just kind of was binging it and apparently wasn't paying attention or something. I don't know, like, because none of this was, like, familiar. Yeah. Like, Emma was kind of familiar. Mm-hmm. But that's mostly it, you know? Yeah. Well, like I said, I I think I've only seen this season one time, so this Mm -hmm. is all... Oh, yeah. all seems new to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's the same thing for me. I think I've seen, like, random episodes here and there a couple of times. Like, the first couple seasons I've seen through a couple times now. Yeah. But, I mean, pretty much from here on out, I've only seen everything once. Yeah. So, and up until season nine... It was all the DVDs, so if I was, you know, busy making dinner or doing whatever, like, there's st- some things that I probably haven't even really seen, you know? Yeah. So, but, yeah. So, I, I was just kind of, I'm like, who is that? Why is this? I don't know. It was like watching it all over again, which was kind of fun, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is new information to me. Yeah. But, anyways. Also, Jeffrey is, like, one of the creepiest monsters on the show. And he's not really a monster, but he kind of is. Yeah, he's a serial killer. Yeah, like... That's terrifying. He, to me, that's more terrifying. Who's in love with a demon. Yeah. And wants to be one with a demon, but, like, romantically. And physically, you know, other than romantically. You know, yeah. like, he wants to, like, be the demon and also be with the demon. Yeah. Does that mean that he loves himself? Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, Yeah. <laughs> I think he does love himself now, after all that therapy. That's not what I meant. <laughs> oh, you mean physically loves himself. <laughs> yeah. Of course he physically loves himself. Because, like, if he was, like, housing the demon, like, does he have an infatuation with himself as well as the demon? Who knows? That's kind of, like, I don't think I want to go down that rabbit hole too far. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like something bad is waiting at the end of that (laughs) anyway uh, what was your favorite moment from this episode oh shit (laughs) i think i had one what was it i don't know um um let me go first yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh uh, so mine is the well it's kind of a two-parter. So all of the Lucifer stuff is, like, my favorite. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. But also, my favorite, favorite part was when Lucy was like, he said shut up to me. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, just like, ooh. <laughs> okay, my favorite moment was when Sam was try- following that librarian uh-huh. down um, into the bookshelves. 
Oh. And and she's like making out with that guy and like they're grinding on each other. And she's like, not my periodicals. Oh. <laughs> like, ew. I know. It's like kind of gross, but like totally hilarious. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Yeah. So, our interesting facts from today. Um, it says, Detective Sutton recognizes the Winchester brothers as the drummer boys, Bonham and Watts. Um, Charlie Watts is the drummer for the Rolling Stones, and John Bonham was the drummer for Led Zeppelin. Uh, Merrick, the name, get, blah, the name given up by the captured demon, is the name of one of Anne Rice's uh, vampire characters in New Orleans as her beloved city and the setting for many of her books. Hmm. Anne Rice. I feel like... I know that. Anne Rice. I read some of her books when I was a lot younger. But, like, what are the... What are... It's like, she does vampire stuff. Interview with a Vampire. Okay, that's The Vampire what, Lestat. Okay. Queen of the Dams. Interview with a Vampire. That's the one that... Because I've seen the movie mm-hmm. bits and pieces here and there. The movie is great. Who is the main character? I forget. Tom Cruise. Yeah. And um, Brad Pitt. Yeah. I was going to say, it was, like... I, I, I shouldn't say, like, older actors, but, like, the ones that aren't exactly, like, you know, the A-list ones anymore, but they were mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it says, when Lucifer yells, good morning, Vietnam, uh, this is the same way Robin Williams yelled it in the movie by the same name, good morning, Vietnam, from 1987. Um, it says, both the actor who plays Nora's son, Jeffrey Ballard, and the actor who plays young Sam Winchester, Colin Ford, appeared in the CW show Smallville, 2000. 2000- from 2001 as different ages of the same character um a boy who grew up from a child to a teenager overnight um which is from season four episode 20 from smallville called ageless from 2005 Hmm. um it says the beginning of the episode takes place in season three uh between 312 um and bello i don't i think i don't remember if that's how we it um 2008 and um 313 ghost facers from 2008 um there are multiple clues that say that uh, the spotlights on the car are back looking for lilith and they used a normal exorcism mm-hmm. um it says it's the 10th episode not to feature the impala the ninth episode in a row not to feature it however it does show a small glimpse of the impala in a flashback scene at the start so this would not really count since the flashback took place four years earlier yeah um it says, Dean asked Jeffrey, so what happened? Redhead mommy made you stuff birds and put on dresses? Um, he's referring to the character Norman Bates in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho from 1960. Um, it says, the demon possessing Nora's son tells Dean, keep sawing away at your ropes, Penelope Pitstop. Um, he's referring to the ultra-feminine pink-clad damsel in distress race car driver from the 1960s animated TV series Wacky Races from 1968. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Seems a little obscure. It does, but <laughs> it's an interesting fact. <laughs> I guess it's kind of interesting. I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so our research from this week is off of Ranker because we can't stop and we won't stop. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and it's titled Nine Terrifying Stories About the Black-Eyed Children. Because... Because black-eyed children are terrifying. And, you know, Nora's 
son was a black-eyed child, so there's a connection there. <laughs> it was a loose connection, but it was a connection. It works. It works. It works. <laughs> um, so it says, creepy stories about black-eyed kids have several things in common. First, it seems to take a while for people to notice the children's eyes. You would think that the, uh, that would be the first thing you see, but somehow the children seem to be able to temporarily shield their eye color even from those looking directly at them. Um, another common theme is the instant feeling of unease and dread that people experience the moment they get close to one of these creepy children. Um, they don't need to see their eyes to know there is something wrong with them. It says the mind may not be able to immediately process what exactly is going on with the black-eyed children, but in most of these stories, survival instincts kick in pretty quickly. For many of these witnesses, it's a primal, full-body experience of terror. Um, so the first one um, is titled, The Children Tried to Get a Young Man to Walk Them Home in 1950. Um, it says, One of the earliest recorded sightings of black-eyed children was back in 1950. A 16-year-old named Harold was strolling up the street to his Virginia home when he noticed a boy leaning on a nearby fence. Harold said hello, but received no response. He turned to leave, then the mysterious boy finally spoke, I want to go to your house. You're going to walk me up to your house. <laughs> Be like, the hell I am. Go yeah. away. <laughs> it says that was when Harold noticed the boy's eyes. They were pitch black. All his instincts, <laughs> all his instincts screamed, run, yet he just stood there. Then, as if reading Harold's mind, the boy said, now don't you run away from me. You're going to walk me up to your house. That was enough to spring Harold into action. He booked it out of there. Um, he claimed he heard the child let out the scream of a bobcat, but he was you know, he wasn't willing to turn around to be sure. A bobcat. Well, you know the really like kind of like animal like scream. Have you ever heard like cat screams? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. Creepy shit. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh. No thanks. <laughs> that coming out of a person, not right. Or <laughs> <laughs> was supposed to be a person. Um. It says, the account goes on to reveal Harold's parents actually believed his tale and his father went out with his gun in hand looking for what they believed was a devil. The black-eyed child was gone, but Harold's mother demanded he go to the local priest to be safe. <laughs> um, this one is, the, children's, the, the children stopped a journalist and demanded a ride. Um, it says, journalist Brian Bethel of Abilene, Texas is credited with being the first person to post an online account of the black-eyed children phenomenon. It all began back in 1996. Bethel was sitting in his car, writing out a check he intended to drop off at a nearby internet provider's office. <laughs> Checks in internet provider offices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he was startled by the sound of knocking on his window and looked up to see two kids. He couldn't figure out why, but a jolt of fear ran through him. They were just kids, but something was wrong with them. He just couldn't figure out what. He cracked his window just enough to talk with them. The oldest of the two boys asked for, asked for a ride for, uh, to their mother's house. He claimed that they were going to see a movie, forgot their money, and needed a ride so they could make it back for the movie in time. The movie theater was close enough that Bethel could read the marquee, so he asked the boys what they were going to see. Mortal Kombat was the reply. Brian knew that the movie had already started an hour ago. Also, there was something just wrong with the pair. The way they spoke wasn't natural, They didn't sound as, and they didn't sound as young as they looked. <clears throat> uh, just let us in and we'll be gone before you know it we'll go to our mother's house everything the older boy said sent shivers down Bethel's spine but then he saw it the pitch black eyes lacking any real substance or soul Bethel didn't even try to hide his horror come on mister we won't hurt you you have to let us in we don't have a gun <laughs> it's like, 
yeah, that's comforting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the more he spoke, the more Bethel was sure he had to get out of there. He threw his car in reverse, the boy still yelling to be let in, and sped off. He gave one quick glance behind him but saw nothing. The black-eyed boy simply vanished before he even made it out of the parking lot. Um, this one is the children menaced a gas station attendant during a power outage. It says, a gas station attendant in northeast Louisiana had a terrifying encounter in November 2012. The gas station was creepy enough to begin with at 3 a.m., but then the power went out. Uh, Led by the light of his cell phone, the attendant was able to get the generators going, but the backup lighting was dim and only lit up certain areas, like the cash area and the parking lot, while the rest of the isolated establishment was cloaked in black. Out in that darkness, he noticed movement. Three children on bikes were heading his way. They stood at the door and stared at the attendant. He felt creeped out, but they were kids, or but they were just kids, and it was a wait, and it was way too late for them to be out. He opened the door and asked if they were okay. The young girl asked to use a phone, but as he handed his cell over to her, she or he realized her eyes were all black. No, I need the real one. She pointed at the landline inside. The thought of letting her inside sent chills up his spine. <laughs> he shouted at all of them to leave as he slammed and locked the door. The children stood there a bit longer, silently staring at him through the glass with their solid black eyes. Then, they got back on their bikes and disappeared back into the darkness. The next morning, the attendant was eager to go through the surveillance footage. Unfortunately, the power outage cut the cameras off, and they didn't boot back up with the generator. He had nothing to prove the events of the night before that, or he had nothing to prove the events of the night before took place. Hmm. This one is the children stalked an engineer through his security cameras. Um, it says an engineer working the night shift for a data center in Ohio had a creepy exchange and posted his tale anonymously as Noetic. Um, it was around 5 a.m. on July 31st, 2010. Noetic was taking a smoke break outside when he noticed two teenage boys standing motionlessly and staring at him from across the street. Though he felt somewhat unnerved, he finished his smoke and went back inside. Ten minutes after heading inside, the intercom buzzed. Noetic changed the monitors, and there they were. The two boys had made their way over to his building and were now staring into the surveillance camera like they could see him through it. Through the speaker, he asked what they wanted. He said, or They said nothing but motioned for him to come outside. He hit the speaker button again and told them to go away. They didn't leave, but continued to stare into the camera as if they were watching Noetic as he worked. After a short while, Noetic went to the door to chase them off. Right before opening the door, he saw them through the one-way glass and was horrified to see their eyes were completely black. He knew he had to open up the door and tell them to go away, and he decided he'd call the police if he had to. As if the boy read his mind, the moment the door opened, he said, That will not be necessary, sir. We simply need to use your phone. Can you let us in? Noetic was not about to fall for that nonsense. He pulled out his cell phone and threatened to call the police if they didn't leave. He made sure the door was locked and went back to the monitor. Only one boy was still staring at the camera. Then he realized the second boy positioned himself out back and was staring into the camera there. Ew, <laughs> creepy. Uh, by 6 a.m., both boys had moved into a blind spot with no camera coverage. Noetic waited for them to reappear, but they simply vanished. The police arrived not long after, but both boys were gone. Um, this one says, A couple let the children into their home and suffered from terrible illnesses afterwards. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, So it says, in January 2016, a Vermont woman reported that she actually let black-eyed children into her home. A little over a year prior, a blizzard was ravaging the world outside her door, so she was very surprised to hear a loud knock on it. Figuring someone probably crashed their car trying to navigate the weather, she made her way to the door and peeked out the window. There was no car. She described a feeling of dread wash over her for reasons she couldn't understand. 
The banging continued, so she decided to wake her husband to let him answer instead. Two small children were on the other side of the door, and they were not dressed appropriately for the storm. The woman and her husband let the little boy and girl inside, despite the great sense of unease their presence made them feel, and regretted it almost instantly. Uh, one cat hissed, while the other three hid. Unusual behavior for them all. <laughs> and it didn't seem to matter what the woman asked them. What happened? Are you lost? Want some cocoa? The answer was always the same. Our parents will be here soon. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, she made them cocoa anyway, and when she turned the mugs, that's when she noticed their eyes. They were completely jet black with no whites at all, just giant black pupils. They asked for the bathroom, and she directed them to it. Then everything happened all at once. Her husband's nose started bleeding, the power went out, and as she rushed to get a tissue, she was confronted by both children staring at her from the hall. Our parents are here. They then walked out the front door. She watched as the creepy children got into a black car with two very tall men in suits. They left. Within months of the encounter, three of their four cats went missing. The fourth, the one that hissed, was found in a pool of blood, dead from a hemorrhage. Her husband's nose bleeds continued until he was eventually diagnosed with skin cancer despite spending little time outdoors the woman began suffering from chronic nosebleeds as her husband initially had and her health began slowly deteriorating she is certain it's because of the black-eyed children oh fuck but like follow your instincts if something feels wrong don't let them in the house yeah. like <laughs> doesn't matter if they're kids or not like right. <laughs> kids even normal human kids sometimes can do some damage like mm -hmm. uh -uh. Um, this one is the black-eyed children caused a fatal car accident um, it says John Northwood was heading to his car on the third floor of a parking garage when one of the guys from the conference he just attended Doug asked him to drive him around the block a few times he said there were some freaky looking kids hanging around his car and he was hoping to kill some time while waiting for them to wander off John let Doug in and they started cruising when they neared his car, John saw the group Doug was talking about and agreed they were creepy. Three kids, two boys and a girl, all gothed out. The girl looked around 15, the boys around 14 and 10. They were intense, but John described it as if he really needed to look at them. Um, he stopped driving. The kids maneuvered around his car, and the youngest one said, It's scary out there all alone, and we just want to ride home. <laughs> uh, one said Doug had offered them a ride home, which he denied. Um... John felt as if his heart was going to erupt from his throat as an adrenaline or as adrenaline raced through him. Doug said he was getting out of the car. As soon as he reached for the handle, it was like the children got older somehow, and he saw their eyes were solid black. No pupil, no iris, nothing. Just black. John threw the car into reverse and drove backwards about 60 feet. The kids began to pursue them, so John took the car around the lot's corner, going around 30 miles per hour. He felt that they would die if they let those kids into the car. He sped down three floors, only to find the oldest boy was already at the bottom of the garage when they came out. Ooh. They sped past him out of the garage. Um, when John turned around, the boy was gone, and so was that menacing feeling that had been building inside him since making eye contact with those kids. They waited ten minutes before going back to Doug's car. The black-eyed children were nowhere in sight. It was then that Doug admitted he had given the younger kid a ride earlier, but felt scared when he saw the older child. Huh. Um, upon leaving the garage for the second time that night, the menacing feeling returned. John was behind Doug's car, watching helplessly as he misjudged the time it would take to get through the intersection on a yellow light. Doug was struck by a truck and died instantly. The police arrived, and John gave his report, feeling uneasy the whole time. Only then did he look around and see the black-eyed children standing two blocks away, staring at him. Ooh. Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> That's so creepy. Um... 
The next one <laughs> is a man had sex in the black-eyed children's home and died shortly after. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that is the title. It says, a man had sex in the black-eyed children's home and died shortly after. Okay, well, don't go to their home. <laughs> no. Jesus. <laughs> it says, uh, this tale was posted online by a friend of the victim. It was... Um, it was while on a trip through Arcata, California, that this anonymous man stopped for a drink and ended up hitting it off with the attractive woman running the bar. After a bit of drinking and getting to know each other, she offered the traveler a place to stay for the night, and he drunkenly accepted. <laughs> he left his car at the bar and headed back to her place. As they pulled into the front, that's when the unease crept in. He wasn't sure why, but her home creeped him out, and, he, and she started to creep him out as well. He claimed she began to seem inhuman to him. This didn't stop him from going inside with her, though. Of course not. Nope. He's only thinking with one head at that time. Yeah. Right. And it's not the big one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. um, So, it says, after the woman had fallen asleep, he got up to get water. During his trek to the kitchen, he realized her house was full of children. They weren't normal children, either. They were quiet and creepy and wandering the house aimlessly at 2 a.m. He had a horrible feeling about them, even before he noticed their eyes. Completely black. All of them. There was no conversation, no attack. He was just faced with the black-eyed children and then sent off on his merry way the next day. A little over a month after his strange experience, the man, described as very healthy, was diagnosed with an aggressive form of bladder cancer. He died six months later, believing it was those black-eyed children that were responsible. Jesus. Um, This one is a young woman returned home to find the children waiting in her yard. Um, 18-year-old, I'm going to say Karis Holdsworth, was heading home to her apartment after a night out. It was just before 11 p.m. She noticed there were two teenager boys she'd never seen before just standing in her yard. This put her on edge a bit, so she reached in her purse to make sure her pepper spray was readily available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with a firm grip in, on her only weapon, she attempted to sneak past them unnoticed. No such luck. They both turned simultaneously. She instantly felt a primal terror and gripped the canister still in her purse. As if they knew what she was hiding in her bag and what she was thinking, the older one said, No need for that. We just want to borrow your phone, miss. It was then that Holdsworth noticed their eyes. Pitch black, no white at all. She felt her flight response kick into gear as she darted for her door, fumbling for her keys as the black-eyed boys followed her. Please, miss, my mother won't be happy if she doesn't know where we are. (laughs) Every instinct in her knew she had to get away from them. Part of her felt a twinge of guilt and considered helping them, but that feeling was quickly buried in the deep sense of dread that was steadily washing over her. She made it inside, slammed the door shut, and locked it. With a sigh of relief, she headed for the kitchen, but then came the knock. She decided to ignore it. They knocked again, and that feeling of dread began to make its way through her body. She decided she'd brave a silent peek through the peephole. There they were, staring at her through the peephole like they could see inside. (laughs) Just let us in to use the phone, one said. We won't hurt you. We have no weapons to hurt you with. Holdsworth ordered them to leave her alone. She made sure everything was locked tight and called a friend to come over. The boys didn't leave until the friend showed up, who felt the same overwhelming sense of danger when she arrived. Holdsworth soon moved away after that and now always checks her peephole before opening the door. Yeah. I would, too. Ugh. Um, a, a Marine was visited twice by the same child. That's nice. Okay. At 6'7 and 260 pounds, this United States Marine was his own looming and intimidating force of nature, but that didn't stop a black-eyed kid from testing him. 
He was in the barracks of the Texas base where he lived and settling in for the night when he heard a sharp knock on the door. Assuming it was his neighbor, the Marine made his way to the door. Standing outside was a boy around 17 years old. The Marine asked him what was up, and almost hungrily, the boy asked to be let in to use the phone. Nothing but sleep and peace on his mind, the Marine said no and directed him to the service building across the parking lot and closed the door. He knocked again. Irritated, the Marine went to the window and intended to yell at him, but just looking at the thin, gaunt kid gave him the creeps. <laughs> That's when he noticed his eyes. They were black as coal. Once again, the child asked to be let in with creepy, with a creepy predatory smile. Mm. Still determined to assert his authority, the Marine ignored this sphere and he said he'd force the kid to leave if he had, or, and said he'd force the kid to leave if he had to. He turned momentarily to grab his phone, but by the time he turned around, the child was gone. He couldn't shake the feeling that he'd seen him before, that all of this was familiar. Then it hit him. He had watched, he had watched his brother have a similar intera interaction once. Two years earlier, while still in high school and living in Pennsylvania, he worked the night shift at a gas station. One night, while having a smoke out in front with his brother, they saw some kid walking across four lanes towards them. His brother asked him if they needed any, or if he needed anything, and it was the same request. He wanted to use a phone. The brother said the phone was back by the register and no one was allowed to use it. The brothers went inside, but the strange kid didn't take no for an answer. He stood in front of the shop, just knocking on the window until the brother chased him off with a bat. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> when he came back, he said the kid was pale and had black eyes. It was the same kid. Ooh. Yuck. I got chills. And, and those are the black-eyed children for you. Wow. So there was another... Basically, I think the general MO for these, the black-eyed children, it's like... I There's a couple different websites that said it's like between the ages of like 6 and 16. Mm-hmm. Um... Sometimes they have, like, clothing that's, like, out of date or they're not, like, dressed for, you know... The weather. Just the circumstances in general, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. They asked to use the phone. They asked to use the phone. Um, and if you let them in, they want to use the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like any of it. I'm creeped out right uh, now. Oh, Yeah. Like, I don't generally get creeped out by the research, but I am creeped out right now. <laughs> I, yeah, some of the research definitely gets me a little bit. This one doesn't make me want to answer any doors anytime soon. No. Uh. <laughs> oh, yuck. So, our agent asked my moment for today. Oh, my God. <laughs> We were really struggling before this episode. We're like, we <laughs> with can motivation. do it. Yeah. And so we decided to text Eric, who is upstairs working, um, and ask him if he would come down and give us a motivational pep talk. <laughs> so that way we can just do our shit. <laughs> and he was like, um, okay. <laughs> So he comes down. With a dragon hand puppet. With a puppet. <laughs> and puts the puppet around the corner. <laughs> and is like, get to work. <laughs> Just get to work. Yeah. You got this. <laughs> you can do it. Aww. It was pretty good. Yeah. But the fact that we had to call in reinforcements. <laughs> I know. We just hit, we kind of hit a wall and we're just like, I don't know what life is right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that was, 
That was that was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> that was really sweet of Eric to do that oh, for us. Oh, it's very sweet. Embarrassing for us that we had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, good of him to actually give us a pep talk. <laughs> yeah, he did a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta keep her, man. <laughs> I know. And then every time he leaves, he's like, "Love you guys." <laughs> And then I felt like an ass butt <laughs> earlier because I wasn't paying attention. I was like, I need something out of my purse. And I, I was, was like, like, hey, my husband just said he loved you. And you were like, oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying any attention to anything that was happening. Like, <laughs> one track mine. Let's go. And you're like, okay. But yeah, so I was also kind of an ass butt for that one. So sorry, Eric. <laughs> It's okay. He said it again later, and you responded just fine. I did fine. respond, and then I choked in my water immediately afterwards. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> so, you know, things are going well for me today. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us. It, it, it just, <laughs> you can email us. <laughs> just email us. <laughs> please, please email us. <laughs> at podcast at gmail.com the word and is spelled out you can also find us on facebook and instagram under idgits and ask a supernatural podcast make sure to rate and review us on itunes and send us your idgit and ask moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast thanks again thank you